heard the buzz around AI facial recognition, but how does it actually work? Stick around. Hey everyone, welcome back to Today in Tech. I'm Juliette Beauchamp. I am here with InfoWorld senior writer, Sirdar Yegulalp. And today we're gonna to be discussing the mechanics of facial recognition AI, who's using it and why it's used. So Sirdar, thank you so, so much for calling in. Thanks for being here, glad to be here. So let's just cut right to the chase. I think a lot of our viewers are probably familiar with, you know, AI. They don't immediately think AI equals robots because, I mean, well, sometimes that's the case. It's f by far not only the case and not only the practical um, use case for AI. So can you tell us a little bit about how um, businesses, companies, and even individual people are using AI and facial recognition together? Well, there's two basic use cases that come to mind with, with facial recognition AI. And the first is the personal use case. And this is where things like, for instance, you can unlock your phone with facial recognition. And that use case simply involves taking a number of pictures of your face and then having them stored in a, in a small database that the system can then compare against other photos that are taken of your face to see if there's a match. The system looks for similarities between uh, the photos previously taken and the new photos, basically things like the distances between the eyes or the, or the height of the eyes versus the nose versus the mouth, the width of the head, basically all of the parameters of a face that don't really change very much. And if it takes enough of these photos, it will build up an internal database of comparisons to make that it can, that it can do so with some degree of liability. So the, the easy common use case is you use it to unlock your phone by taking a picture of yourself, or you could use it for instance, um, in a photo app on your PC, if you have lots of photos in a personal library, it can scan those photos and create databases of who all of the different people are by simply scanning their faces. So if you take a picture of somebody that's already been previously scanned, it can say, is this that person? And will automatically tag them. So there's some, there's some fairly convenient personal use cases. It's when we start talking about the larger public use cases that things get a little bit hairy. And these are the, these are the things that have controversy around them. Um, Namely, when you, for instance, have a database of people whose images have been harvested from public sources, and you use that to compile a facial recognition database that's used, for instance, by law enforcement. And part of the problem with those types of databases is it's not always clear where the data came from, and it's not clear if there was any consent involved. So even though your photo may be in a public context, it's being used in a way that is not necessarily accessible to you. You know, if it's been sold as part of a database to law enforcement, you don't necessarily have any way to know this. You don't have any necessarily any way to object to it or have it changed, especially if it turns out not to be accurate. I'm wondering about, you know, the how, like how is AI actually searching through these databases? It seems obvious that a person is not going to go through literally millions upon millions, even into the billions upon billions of photos to search for, you know, a picture of me amongst billions of others. but. How exactly does AI get involved? The basic way that it works is you have to start with what's called uh, a tagged feature set. You have to start with some photos that already have some existing, basically hand-matched correlation to the people involved. Like if I take 100 photos of you and I tag them all with your name, then there's a certain existing degree of correlation between those pictures and, and who you are. So there has to be at least some initial manual correlation between a person's, a person's face and, their, and, their, and the rest of their identity. 
So once you get that started, it then becomes incrementally easier to take pictures of people in the wild, you know, and to take a picture from you from across the room where maybe it's not so clear, maybe your, your face is turned in a different direction, and to match those with the hundred other pictures in some way that I've already taken of you. So it's about an aggregate of data. It's not about any one particular picture. And it's also about having some, some initial level of matching of that data set to your identity in whatever form it exists. Sure. So it's basically taking, you know, the specific measurements of my face, like you said, you know, how far apart my eyes are and the correlation between the size of my eyes to the nose and basically making like, you know, the, the shape of my face and you're sort of searching or the AI rather is sort of searching that shape. Right. It's searching on those data points and it's trying to understand, you know, even if there is a little bit of variation because of, say, your distance from the camera or the fact that your head is turned slightly this way or that way, that those differences um, aren't going to be enough to invalidate. And that can make it difficult to make the, make the matching accurate. One of the problems of, of facial recognition that they still consistently have is false positives and false negatives. You know, if I, um, if, even if I wear makeup, for instance, you know, or if I put on glasses a certain way, or if I put on a mask, it can be easier to defeat those things. Um, or rather, it can be easier for those things to be um, given bad information that it doesn't know how to process. One of the problems with any AI, as we currently have them, is that they have no sense of a real-world context. If I come to you with glasses on and uh, a wig and false eyebrows and all the rest of it, there's a good chance you'll be able to look at me and say, what's with the glasses and the wig and the false eyebrows? Because you have some context of these things from the rest of the world. But an, but an AI, even a very well-trained AI uh, with a facial recognition system, does not have any concept of these things. It doesn't know how to compensate for them. So it's easier for them to make mistakes. It's easier for them to be superficially accurate, but it's also easier for them to blunder. And that's part of why they're so controversial because it's very easy for them to make false positives and in the context of things like uh, law enforcement, that's very dangerous. So I'm wondering a bit now about the actual gathering of images and what that looks like. I think some of our viewers might be familiar with um, cameras, I guess, you being used to, as simple as it sounds, you know, take video, take photo, and then whatever still is then tracked in the database. Is that the primary way to get images? That's generally the way to do it. You know, how you get those images is really the sticking point. The fact that you can obtain them is, is not too hard. If you have somebody who's willing to offer images of themselves to be part of that database, that's easy. But most people are probably not going to sit still for that. Right now, there's a lawsuit pending um, filed by the ACLU against a company called Clearview AI. And what Clearview AI did was they, they secretly scraped images of people from places like Facebook and Twitter and other online sources, all of which are public. Um, but at the same time, they were scraping this information under what I guess could be called false pretenses. They aggregated them into a database, um, matched that information to, the, to uh, an aggregate of that person's public persona, and then sold that to law enforcement as a way to allow them to recognize people by way of this, by way of these, uh, these images. And the SLU is, is objecting to this, saying that's a violation of Illinois' Biometric Information Privacy Act. And this was just filed like literally today. So it's going to be a while to see how this plays out. But I think they have a strong case there because even though the data is publicly available, um, aggregating it in this form and, and, and reusing it without, without the consent of everybody involved is a, is a really hard sell, frankly. 
Sure. So, for example, if my photo was taken off of, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, what have you, yeah, I know it's sort of out there, but I haven't given explicit consent for an AI company to analyze it and then use it in their database. Right. It's it's not like it's a little bit like saying that if I publish a book, um, that doesn't give everybody the right to steal it. That doesn't give everybody the right to uh, to release bootleg copies of it. You know, it, the fact that it's out there means there are still certain protections associated with it. And that should be the same thing with, with all public biometric data. One of the trickiest things about facial data, as opposed to, say, a fingerprint, is that a fingerprint is very hard to obtain from somebody without physical contact. You know, you can, you can get it by way of, say, you know, surreptitiously taking something that they've touched. But, you know, that brings in all these legal questions. But a face is not like that. It's very easy to capture somebody's face if they're walking around in public. And given the proliferation of social media, we're capturing our own faces all the time. So there's a, there's a high a high degree of responsibility associated with the with the use of that data precisely because it is so readily available. So I'm wondering where do we go from here and where does AI facial recognition data go from here? I think whether or not it's um, you know morally or ethically um, a great thing is obviously up for debate and certainly a decision that our viewers can make for themselves. But regardless, I think so is the case when AI is the question. It's really only going to get better and more advanced from here. So where do you see AI and facial recognition technologies going in the future? Well, the first thing that I see happening is um, a growth in the sophistication of the capture technology. And right now, this is already happening. Like, for instance, um, the current crop of uh, iOS uh, devices uses a facial capture system that also involves an infrared camera. So what's happening is you're not just capturing a 2D picture of the face. You're also capturing a, a picture that has a little bit of dimensional depth to it. So that adds an uh, you know, additional amount of data um, that makes it a little harder for a false positive or a false negative. So that the, the idea is that by, by capturing that many more points of information about the face, it becomes harder to make mistakes. But at the same time, um, there also needs to be some consciousness about the moral dimensions of, of this sort of thing. There needs to be better laws protecting the use of the data and the reuse of it and the, and the aggregation of it against people's consent. And there also needs to be, more than anything else, a recognition that when you have any artificial intelligence technology, it is going to be limited by the fact that it does not know contexts. You have to be willing to understand that it is simply one piece of a larger puzzle. If I have somebody who has been flagged by facial recognition, um, there needs to be additional steps mandated about how to deal with the fact that they've been flagged. You know, maybe they maybe there needs to be an additional two or three steps of human vetting involved, and that needs to be mandated in some form. It doesn't need to be taken for granted. It has to be something that we can guarantee. Great. Well, I think these are all really good points, and I really appreciate you calling to chat with me. Thanks so much, Sardar. Thank you. And thank you all so much for watching this episode of Today in Tech. If you liked this video, be sure to give it a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. And if you hit the bell notification in the corner, you'll be notified every time we post a new video. Thanks again for watching, and we'll see you next time.